This is K-12 Tech Talk. K-12 Tech Talk. The podcast by K-12 Techs for K-12 Techs. Real conversations, real arguments, and real banter on trending K-12 technology topics and issues. Live from the somethingcool.com studios, this is the K-12 Tech Talk Podcast. I am Josh. With me, as always, is Chris. He's on time tonight. Hello, Chris. What's up? And Mark. Hello. So it's been another busy week. It seems like these weeks just continue to fly by quickly and faster than ever. Um, We thank somethingcool.com for continuing to sponsor us. They would like for you to share us with your friends, though. Uh, Jeremy sent that email and he said, hey, have your listeners share share the podcast with all their meeting groups and people like that. So there you go. Jeremy's asking us to be shared. Uh, so do us a favor and share a link to the pod. Tweet us or email us. And uh, we have another listener email um, from our one listener, uh, Pate, uh, that we'll get to later in the show. There's um, two. There's another listener email too. There's oh, two. Oh, that's right. I did. Re- I re- I replied to that email too. Yeah. Um. So what's what's been going on, guys? Chris, you said you've been working really hard this week. Yeah. So I am a I guess a four and a half person department. Um. And one of ours, our our technician, who does way more than just what you would say is a technician. Uh, he's he 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 traveled afar to the Bahamas. Um, so that leaves me picking up picking up the pieces. Uh, so I have trouble. I, I, I had to go to a classroom and uh, speakers not working. I had to swap out uh, an audio cable. And I haven't done that in a long time. Um, I had a teacher at the high school, one ticket, one ticket. And she said, I have two monitors not working, four mice not working, two keyboards not working, and like 10 computers won't connect to the internet slash network in one ticket. What do you guys think about that? Those all should be individual tickets, clearly. Like clearly that just happened. Like that was just, that was, that all happened at once. No, I was yeah. going to say that's, that's, that's a very efficient use of tickets. That's not, that's not, that's oh, not good. Oh, you like the idea that it's a single ticket, Mark? Yeah. No. Yeah. So, so I worked on, I worked on that. The network administrator had, had to do follow-up work in that room. Uh, this morning's, uh, well, morning started with me working on our golf simulator computer. Oh, never nice. touched that really before. That was a blast. You have a golf simulator? Yeah, you, like you know when you go to like those those restaurants with those bars that you pay money and you can you know hit you. It's it's at a screen. You know what I'm talking about? Are you hitting an actual golf ball or is it one yeah, of those actual like... golf ball, actual golf club? Wow. Um. Yeah, that's for our golf team. So it wasn't working. I had a DNS issue. I fixed. I fixed it. Is your golf team really good? I don't. I don't know. Is it just golden tea? Does somebody have golden tea in their class? It's actually just golden tea. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then uh, I ended my day on a ladder. Uh, I reset a security camera that wasn't working, and I got it to work. Like I'm. I'm. I'm on it right now. Speaking of security cameras, we have uh, pulled and installed over 20 security cameras this week. Um, I won't say the manufacturer or vendor because they're not a sponsor of the show, but these new... People uh, don't like when you do that, though. Can you do a rhymes with? 
uh rhymes with I I don't I don't know that you can rhyme with this word. I think this might be one of the words. It's a proper. We'll just say this. It's a proper name, right? Or proper noun. People. Proper noun. Why are you like this? Because they're not a sponsor. I want show me the dollars. Show me the dollar bills, yo. Oh my gosh. Um, I'm telling you what though the the mapping feature set in this. I was I was showing Chris and Mark before we started recording. I can pull up a map, and if there's someone, if the camera sees someone walking down the hall the the map shows a little blue person walking down the hall in real time um so our our building Slick. administrators our building administrators are like loving it they're like dude we could this like if we ever had an active shooter we we would know exactly where they were by just looking at the map we wouldn't really have to pull up every camera and look and that kind of thing so yeah there's some really really cool feature sets in this application yeah, we just finished uh, security camera reviews of different platforms. And I, I definitely came out of the reviews saying, well, I'm never going to hide ever again. It's anything you do on a camera is caught, analyzed. Yeah. Send up to, it's it's insane. Yeah. You you can say, show me all the guys with red shirts and it will show you all the guys with red shirts. Yep. It's amazing. Yeah. 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 So how does it know it's a guy? I don't know, but you can tell it male or female. I don't know. That's that's a interesting. That doesn't, that doesn't sound right. No, you're I'm on an just, island, Josh. You're on an island. I, I'm just telling you what the <laughs> options are, man. High def cameras, Chris. That's 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 the explanation. <laughs> yes, very very high def. Uh, let's see what else. What else is going on, Chris? I don't know, man. What are we doing next week? Oh, we are going to virtually attend uh, the Secure Ed conference that's an illinois uh conference and let me pull up uh the details uh on when our session is uh secure ed schools and we're going to be doing this on wednesday january 18th uh if you're if you're binging on this and maybe it's 2024 uh you can probably find and see how well we did uh on this session that we're talking about uh, hope, hopefully, if you're listening in 2024, this thing's still around and you are binging to catch up with the current episode. But we're going to be, if, 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 if you're joining that conference, uh, it's going to be at 10 o'clock. That's Central Time, Wednesday, January 18th. Uh, and we're going to talk about 10 lessons learned from interviews uh, from the podcast. Yeah, 103 episodes now. This is, 100, this is our 103rd episode. I think we've learned probably 10 things, wouldn't you say? Maybe nine. Yeah, I feel like Mark really fluffed up one of them. Really like nine things. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> it wow. should be said that Mark has done the bulk of the work. He's a heavy <laughs> on lifter. On this presentation. Mark is a heavy, <laughs> heavy lifter. That is for that is for as, sure. As the new guy. Well, uh, I mean, it's clear you're the CIO. Like, it, it's clear. Is it? Yeah. Is it? Okay. Yeah. I mean, I am the one that thought you just put everything into one ticket. So, okay. <laughs> well, you, well, you were a teacher before you were a CIO. So that is a, you know, that there's, there's no harm there. Yeah. Let's not talk about my background. Cause that led to another <laughs> awkward moment this week. <laughs> with Josh. Oh yeah. Uh, about how old I am. I'm considerably older than you two, which I had no idea. Who knew? Who knew? You're, yeah. such, you're such a young spirit. Mm. All right, let's let's take a quick break, and uh, that that sounds like a perfect breaking time. Uh, let's take a quick break and listen and hear from one of our sponsors. Provision Data Solutions is a proud sponsor of the K Twelve Tech Talk podcast. They can help you with all of your networking and firewall needs, including Fortinet. They're big sponsors of the Midwest Tech Talk conferences as well. 
They'll be at the Security Symposium in March and the Tech Conference in July. Visit MidwestTechTalk.com for information about the conferences. Thanks for sticking with us through that. Um, so last week we talked about quite a bit chat GPT. Um, we have a listener email about chat GPT, but I have a funny story quickly. Today was our administrative meeting uh, at central office. We do that once a month before our board meeting and the topic of chat G- GPT came up and nobody really knew um, what the superintendent was talking about. So I took the opportunity to, to grab the the laptop and throw it up on the projector. And and I've been trying every day for this week to get into chat GPT and use it, but it's been at capacity and, and usage has been locked down. So I told everybody in the room, like, well, it's been locked down. Hopefully I can get in. We'll see what happens. And, and thankfully stroke of luck. I don't know what I was able to get in. And, uh, I, I told someone, okay, give me a topic. And, and somebody shouted out Rome. So I said, write an essay about Rome. And I hit enter and you could tell everybody in the room, they were like, ah, whatever. Josh is going on a rant about nerdy stuff again, whatever. But when, when it started typing this like six paragraph essay about Rome, they were all like, their minds were blown. They just couldn't believe it. And then when it was done, I told it to uh, retype it at an elementary reading level. And they're like, no way, that's not going to change anything. And it changed it. And they were they were flabbergasted. They didn't know what to say. Has has chat GPT come up in conversation with you guys this week, even after we talked about it last week? It's come up quite a lot. In fact, I stumped chat GPT yesterday at work. Really? I, yeah, we've been playing around with the whole like write a policy. Yeah. And it's, it's great for that. I asked it to write a policy banning chat GPT. Oh. And it refused to do so. <laughs> really that that's like terminator like skynet ish right yeah kill yourself and it wouldn't do it so wow yeah it's it's getting smarter it's it's, getting, it's self-aware that's funny wow yeah so chris what is our listener email about chat gpt yeah so this is a listener john he says hey guys big fan uh listening uh to this week's podcast uh, he wanted to check out Chat GTP. He hadn't done so. G, G say G, with GPT. Yes. Yes. Yeah. What did I, What do I keep saying? GTP. That sounds better. <laughs> Chat GPT. Uh, he wanted to check it out, uh, and 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 he went to use it, and and the powers that be above him in the tech department had already blocked it. Uh. uh so he was wondering the thoughts on, and he's kind of bashing here. Basically, tech tech guys choking technology out, out out of the hands and taking away resources. But this does beg a decent question here. Um, I just blocked it, and 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 if you listened to last episode, I did so out of teacher request. Um, and Josh, you blocked it. Yeah. Um, now I blocked it for all. Mark yeah. Mark is still a free free no. free free person here. We have not we have not blocked it. And and so I I guess this begs the question of employees. Um, should should I have only blocked it for students and let faculty staff get to it? Is there harm in me letting faculty staff use you use it? Well, what's the what's the rationale for blocking it? What's the reason? The rationale was I got asked, so I did it. Well, <laughs> we so I'll say I just blocked it on Chromebooks on on student okay. devices. I did not block it at the firewall level, which would block it for everybody else. 
on the school network. Um, so I guess technically if a teacher wanted to use it, they still could. Um, I don't know that we have that many teachers that are aware of it just yet. Um, I don't know, you know, Mark, we, the three of us kind of text back and forth about this this week and the phrase of classroom management, it's a classroom management issue, not a technology issue, um, has come up. And that, that's a phrase that a friend of ours, Chris likes to use. Um, I, I don't know where this lands really. Is it a safety thing? Probably not. Is it a, is it a safe thing? Probably just because I've tried to make it do bad things and it won't like it, you know, I, for a while I tried telling it to tell a joke or tell me the funniest joke. And it was, it wouldn't do it because humor is subjective and blah, 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 blah. So I don't, I'm sure you can make it go in dark paths, but I don't know that it really wants to. Uh, I have heard reports that people are using it to write malware. Um, so yeah, there there are some nefarious uses for it, but I think just out of the box, probably not. It's more likely to get used for cheating on an essay than anything. I think uh, our role in technology is to, when we're, when we're thinking about blocking a service, removing something from the classroom, it is for obvious reasons. It's inappropriate, pornography, uh, harmful to kids. Um, and then, and then there's obviously the, the green area, which is just like, it's, it's academic material. And then this, this kind of yellow area, which is kind of a, you know, like more of a yield is dangerous to the classroom or, or not necessarily dangerous, but harmful to the learning experience. Yeah. And there's a lot of stuff that falls in that category that, and that's where I put chat GPT. It can be harmful to the category, to the classroom, but it can also be very helpful. And so, I don't think that area is for us in technology to govern. I think that is more of an academic, a leadership decision. Like another area is YouTube, right? Really, really good stuff. Really, really dangerous stuff. It goes back to what you just said, Josh. It's classroom management. If you you don't want students using this in their classroom, if it's not an academic decision, if it's not a technology decision, it comes back to classroom management. I agree. It's it's open for us. Yeah. And I I think I could, I could be talked into opening it back up because again, it's like you said, what I, I, I told somebody the other day, my department's role is to make technology work, not to Mm -hmm. get into the weeds of, of the use of it. Now I do get into those meetings where we talk about use, but, but the 99% of what we do on a daily basis is making the computer work, not, not that instructional side of things. And I, I actually had a conversation this week that I am not an instructional person. I don't have classroom experience. So I, a lot of that stuff that I think would work certain ways or would work well in an instructional environment fall flat on their face because I don't know what I'm talking about when it comes to that. Um, yeah. That's where you're a little different, Mark. You do have exposure to that realm of so. It's, I think you, you carry a little more weight. Cause you used to be a teacher. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. What a um, jerk. <laughs> so. No, but, but I'm not, but here's the thing. I'm not a teacher right now, right? That's not my role. And so I right, don't think my role is to make academic decisions. But you have, you have experience in that. So I think you can speak to that with, with, a little bit more, more, quite a bit more, more authority than Chris and I can. Sure, sure. I, but, um, I mean, going back to like the listener email, I think it comes down to what was the purpose of Chat GPT being blocked in your district? 
And then the, the, the listener is saying, well, it was blocked for staff as well. And so if mm-hmm. chat, if it's being blocked for security reasons, it's, it's harmful to the network, it's going to cause harm to the district, then it absolutely should be blocked for everybody. If it's being blocked because you're afraid of, of students cheating, that's where, you know, technology, if they have the capabilities, because not everybody does, if you have the capabilities of blocking it just for students, then you should take that approach and leave it open for staff. Yeah. And all and- right. I just sent, I literally just hit apply. Staff can now get to it. Oh, wow. you can hear it. So listener John will be happy. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I was going to say something so very enlightening and Chris interrupted <laughs> me and I don't remember what it was now. Um, so what about our other listener email? Listener Pate, again, he says, <laughs> hey, hey, Pate, by the way, um, what EDR solutions are you guys using? He said ADR. Too is ADR, ADR a thing? I don't know. Can we call is this a typo page? It's probably a typo. You know, you know, said, paid story. Yeah, the batteries must have been low. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, <laughs> and he'll tell you he types one handed. So anyway, what EDR solutions? Uh, and this is directed at you and I, Josh, as far as the talking Missouri, uh, yeah. the music insurance requirements coming up. We're supposed to put EDR on staff student computers, or we're supposed to do this whole VLAN thing where we're keeping student computers far away from everybody. Yeah. Uh, and then just to mark as, 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 as well, then what are you using uh, for EDR? Are you using EDR yet uh, compared to the old school antivirus? Um. So my take on this question, Pate, Pate and I have talked several times about this. Um, we are using one of the big, I would say big three or big four vendors for EDR. Um, I've actually subscribed to an MDR service to where um, a 24-7 SOC is monitoring that. I think there's an extra value added to that just because it is 24-7 and and I I don't um I don't work 24-7. My eyes aren't on it 24-7. And by having it on every device, they have there's much more granularity and control with um those types of responses from an MDR. I think what Pate's bigger question here is or, or is trying to feel out is there are so many vendors in that space, in that antivirus space, that are throwing the three letters EDR on the back of any solution. Hey, I want to call time out for a second. Okay. there Because I, I feel like we just, Pate is more, he's ahead of us. Uh-oh. There is EDR. And there is ADR. Oh, so it wasn't a typo. It, I don't. I don't think it was a typo. What's ADR? Uh, ADR. Here, what's the? Are difference? you sure it's not just the way he's talking? Because he's what's from... the difference between EDR and ADR? Uh, EDR. The main purpose is to monitor endpoints for uh, anomalies and suspicious behavior. Perform analysis yeah. to identify threats and their patterns. Address threats by removing and containing them, and to alert. Security staff provide threat uh, data for post-breach for, uh, forensics. Okay. With ADR, and this is just some random thing I pulled, of course, uh, it does automations like threat investigation, validation, and remediation, speeds up security response times. But this, to me, is describing EDR. Yeah. Uh, reduce downtime, improve detection accuracy with fewer false positives, stop present threats, uh, boost operational efficiency. Eh, whatever. Do we, you do we even know reading. what we're talking about now? No, I don't think so. And it's not good podcasting to just sit there and read. Um, do you think Pate's wrong then? 
who knows? Even even money pays right. You never know. He's a smart guy. <laughs> but I, I think back to my point. I think Pate's bigger question is there are so many vendors in this space. I'll use the term fly by night vendors um, that are slapping EDR on their product. How in the world are you supposed to know if they're really an EDR or not? Yep. Um, And that's why I've tried to stick with one of the big three, four, five players in that market. I know Gartner, their report, their magic quadrant reports are, are always around. I think if you stick with an upper right quadrant vendor, you'll be in better shape than picking some crazy fly-by-night vendor. And do you have EDR on every computer, student and staff? We have EDR on almost every one. I have to buy a couple more lights. Mark? Um, I'm going to, as a kind of draw a line in the sand of, I'm not going to say enough that could cause potential harm to my district in public. So I will, I will agree with Josh that I do think that you do need to look at one of the more reputable companies out there. Um, like you said, the Gardner upper quadrant is a very important measure because there are, I, I have heard horror stories of districts that have been hit with ransomware and they've had to deploy a new in the heat of the moment. So I do think that's something that you should really invest in uh, both, both in, in money and in time. Uh, but I'm not going to give any specifics about my district. We had um what chicken? was what was that? I called just, him just... a chicken. It's not like we <laughs> I have followed you. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's interesting you say that, Mark. Um, we had uh Chris and I have a friend that in the heat of an outbreak like that, the very first thing the forensics company did was have them install an EDR to help with with mitigation yep. of the of the issue. Yeah. I can throw back to uh, it was episode twenty four, the pocket of doom, when we had when my district had that fake. It ended up being our antivirus was the culprit uh, of of a you thing, were using but Russian antivirus. It, it it made sense after you after you played it back, you know. Um, <laughs> but we played with Carbon Black and Sentinel One and Cloud Strike, uh, and running all. Did you say like, Cloud Strike? Cloud Strike. Did I say Cloud? I think you said Cloud. What was the other thing I messed up earlier? GTP. I'm on it tonight, boys. But we installed all three of those uh, for fun on the computers that we were having issues with. And it was like great to demo those, to get experience to those, because those do such better. I mean, they are they are better than classic antivirus. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So you really get to see and explore. I like this. Our tech department will use this better. You know, we like the way these reports look better. We wa- we like the way these response screens look better than this and this and this. Um, and it was fun to play with uh, after we were out of the trouble of of, of what was going on to kind of land on what we landed on. Hmm. Yeah. Do you want me to be so bold to say what I use? I, w- I wouldn't. You're sticking your neck out there. If you do. I really want to say it. I feel like I I've already unpacked it before. I don't know. Well, that's it for the mailbox of this week. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's take another quick break for some another uh, another ad for a sponsor. Hang on one sec. Extreme Networks is with us as we press on in 2023. 2022 was another banner year for Extreme with the Gartner Magic Quadrant. They are the leader for enterprise wired and wireless LAN infrastructure for the fifth year in a row. For all of your extreme networking needs, reach out to Dominic Mayer, that's D-Mayer, D-M-A-Y-E-R, at ExtremeNetworks.com. All right, now that we're back, 
Um, common sense media, Mark, this was, I think your topic that you brought tonight, right? Yeah. So about a week ago, common sense media released a report on children and pornography, basically around children's access to pornography. It had a lot of very interesting statistics, but it also sparked a couple of conversations amongst us around how do you, in your role as tech director, handle pornography, situations of pornography, uh, from a technical perspective, from a policy perspective, what are you doing? What do you need to do? Uh, but also, what are your boundaries? And we actually touched upon it earlier this this episode, as Josh was talking about, you know, our role is not necessarily to to in classroom management, that is something for the teacher to do. And so that was that was kind of the start of the conversation. But uh, have you guys had a chance to look at the report or the highlight of the report? I really, I read the the article that you sent over and I, I thought it was a little, not scare tactic-ish, but I think it was painting the situation to be worse than it is. And maybe maybe I'm being Pollyanna about that. Um, I don't know. It, it seemed a little scare tactic-y to me. Yeah, I mean, it gave a lot of statistics over how many students have been exposed to pornography, have intentionally gone to look at pornography, or been accidentally exposed to pornography. So there is a lot of alarming statistics uh, that shows that it is a, it's a much more common thing amongst teenagers than you think. I, the, the only question, I guess the biggest question I have about that is, are these schools not running a filter? Like we, we've used three different filters since we've been one-to-one, you know, and specifically Chromebook filters that are a plug-in that sit in the device's account or in the student's account. They can't, kill it. They can't get rid of it. That filter is running. And yes, I know no filter is hundred percent perfect. And there is always stuff that sneaks through, but that those numbers just seem super high to me for a district that's doing any sort of due diligence and complying with, with SIPA. Would you agree or no? I'm, actually, I, I'm trying to find the stat that you're looking at. Cause there was one around students accessing pornography on a, on a school device. Is that the one you're referring to Josh? Yeah. 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 So Chris, I'll let you, I'll, I'll look up the number and then Chris, you can reply. So in the report, it talked about the number of students who had accessed pornography uh, while at school, while attending school. And oh, yeah. also talked about uh, students who had both on a personal device as well as a school device. And I think that was an alarming statistic of how many students have, have um, accessed pornography on a school device. So as a tech director, you're kind of thinking like, well, these are people that are are, they, are is the filter not adequate? Are they finding right. ways around the filter? What is going on here? And are we are we liable for this kind of behavior? So I think that from that perspective, right, you you are right, Josh. That is it is alarming for us to see. Um, but there are a lot of loopholes, and like you were just starting to say that there's no perfect filter. So I think it's it's also concerning if this if the purpose of this report is to get people to think about uh, technical loopholes or issues with filters or lack thereof. Um, and what, what that does for, for a school's responsibility. Yeah. But okay. So let's talk about that for a minute as part of, part of E-rate, there is a, a compliance piece of being SIPA or I think Mark, you pronounced it a different way before we started the night. Did you say SIPA? SIPA. No, SIPA. Oh, okay. Um, SIPA compliance. So you have to, you know, part of the E-rate compliance statements and one of them is, uh, revolving around SIPA compliance that you are filtering inappropriate content from students. Um, where Where is the line there? Where is uh, being a dereliction of, or it, it being a dereliction of duty and, and where do you feel safe? 
Um, to me, it's one of those things that you have to make an effort to do it. Uh, if you're, if you're not making an effort to do it or knowingly, uh, running without a filter, I, I, that's a dereliction of duty. You're, you're asking for problems with that. Um, go ahead, Mark. Yeah, no, I think we all, we all have to run a filter as part of SIPA. Uh, if you're receiving E-rate and you have to, uh, as part of the E-rate process, certify that you have a policy and that you're blocking access to pornography and obscene materials. But it's a very vague policy or very vague law in terms of what are your obligations and how far do you have to go. So I think our role is we need to provide an internet filter, a, a internet filter that is uh, would be deemed adequate by the school district. But to think that we can provide a filter that blocks 100% of obscene material. Right. And that a student is never going to to see these materials or never going to find a way around it, either purposely or or accidentally. I think that's that's where SIPA kind of stops. It, it, it falls short of saying that you have to do those kinds of things or you are responsible. And that is kind of that gray area where our, our duties end. And that's where classroom management picks up. Yeah, because I've heard it said before you could and this is well, you could you could you could argue you could say um, SIPA compliance can be, I don't know, a one room school building uh, where there's computers and the teacher is also the principal and she just constantly walks around and monitors like define filter to me, that kind of right. thing. Right. Uh, I've I've heard of the schools that they don't really want to do a content filter again, and these are like different schools, laid back schools, super small schools that that they would take the old school approach, what I would call old school approach of just whitelist, blacklist, letting firewall kind of do the thing. Well, of course, uh, more 2023, and for many years, the style is a content filter, and you're expecting it to change uh, as new websites come out and 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 do all that work. Uh, but just because a website gets through that's bad doesn't mean that you've failed your SIPA compliance. And SIPA compliance right, right, is about right. a bigger picture thing of uh, protecting kids. And, and, and in a lot of ways, you're, you're ha- helping kids make decisions about uh, whatever you want to say, ethics and, and big picture things and what, what is decent for what to look at and do in public and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it's not just about can I get the E-rate money or not, of course. Right, right. Yeah. And we've always been really upfront with our teachers and our parents. When we had, um, when we were going one-to-one, that was something that came up in multiple discussions with parents of, look, we have a filter. Here's the filter we use is X, Y, Z. We, we, you know, we have a firewall that does some filtering as well, but your student devices will have their own filter, but Mm -hmm. we know, and you should know with, and have the expectation that no filter is a hundred percent the best thing to do is to have adult eyes on it with the kid. Right. Um, so we were we were super upfront and transparent about that when we went one to one years ago. So let me ask you this: There was a the, the topic that I I expected to be kind of definitively answered from the FCC, which never was, is at home device use during the pandemic when we sent all of our students home with a device. Are we required to filter for inappropriate pornography and material? On a school device at home? Yes. I, my gut tells me yes. Just because, and, and I'll, I'll tell you, the discussion in our district has been, we, we've we taken the stance and it, it, we've had a couple di- different discussions about this. It is a district device. It is not, just because it leaves the front door of the school and goes home on the bus with a kid and is at home does not mean that's a personal device and can be used for personal things. It is still 
a school owned device at that point. Right. So we, we take the stance of yes, that answer is yes. We, it's going to be filtered at home. Yeah. I mean, we, we do the same thing, right? We, we do filter the devices on and off the network. Um, and, and also took the approach of if we're providing you with a hotspot or a data plan, then that also is going to have yeah. a filter on it. Um, but you know, I think part of our obligation is to make sure that the device is safe and secure. And so a lot of these sites are not safe for your device. You pick, you're going to catch something on these websites. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I think that's part of the need for a filter. Um, but from a content perspective, the FCC really hasn't come out or the SIPA has really not come out and said, here's what this means uh, in any definitive language around at-home usage or off-school network. Um, huh. I was very surprised that that it didn't come up in a much larger conversation nationwide during, during COVID. Yeah. Well, everybody was worried about other things. Yeah. I know the stat too, and this is the, this is an alarming one to me. Um, talked about the large percentage, like whatever it was, 41%. They had seen, they had seen things, uh, but then of that, it was like 58% of that, that, that they didn't seek those things out. And that's yeah. your filter failing. Yeah. Um, you know, we can do one thing with the kids that sought it out and like tech violation and all that stuff. But it is a real problem. I, I, I think any of these where it, it wasn't in, intended, uh, that absolutely, I think, falls on me, falls on the tech department to try to figure that out. It's interesting you took that statistic that way because I actually took it out as students being shown pornography by another student, not okay. necessarily oh, getting yep. through the filter, but shows how pervasive this kind of problem is in a school sure. that even if you don't you, you might be accidentally stumbling on this online, but you also might have a student who, you know, throws their screen. And that's happened plenty of times where we've had a student who has yep. shown another student pornography. Well, to Chris's but, yeah. point, though, you know, there's those bad, those crappy websites, those crappy game websites, time wasters that sell ads over in the right column. And it gets to the end of the month and they need more ad revenue. So they'll sell ads. They'll they'll sell ads to whoever is willing to buy them. And it turns out to be a risque lingerie ad or something like that. That's that's where I, I kind of take the same view as Chris. That to me, that's that's what's happening there. And there's especially with those ads like that, it, man, it is hard to really block yeah. those ads like that. Well, it's it, it's interesting. I think we both had the same response for the article that it was a little bit of an alarmist. Like it it gets your it gets the hair on the back of your neck sticking up about how pervasive this problem is and how many teenagers are being exposed to material. But I took it in a different way than you, Josh, in that it's not alarming to me as a tech director. I I actually felt that this was the article, the report was more geared towards parents in saying this is the okay. reality that your kids are in. And kind of pivoting towards, and here's why you need to have this conversation. You can't just bury your head in the sand and pretend it doesn't. Yeah, no, that makes sense. But it does raise a lot of questions for our role in technology and and how do we help the problem out? Yeah, let's. Do you guys? Do you guys? Sorry, Josh, I'm gonna cut you off. Do you guys do things so like we, you know, okay, you block, we block bad websites. How much? How much effort work do you put into? Those kids that made attempts but failed to look at pornography, do they get in trouble? That's a building thing. That's not a me. <clears throat> Is yeah, there but don't, like... you, don't you see that data in your filter? Like, are you going to oh, yeah. take steps to alert the school? The 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 school does get alerted through our filter. There, um, there's a monitor, and they get alerts <clears throat> from like self harm. It, it's classified more or less as uh, 
it's not self-harm, but it, the same tool is picking it up and alerting in the same manner that it would self-harm to the building administrators. So mm-hmm. that if that's a discipline problem, I am not involved in that. That's a building that's a mm-hmm. building administrator problem. Yeah. Uh, I get, I mean, a little bit, right? So I think our role is to to let a school know. And for the most part, if we're saying, hey, this student was looking at porn or trying to multiple times, that's enough. The school knows what it is. Yep. There have been times where like there has been something super technical or complicated. And I've had to like talk to the principal and say, this may sound confusing, but I need you to understand how serious this is of what the student is trying to do. Yeah. We I've, I've alerted to hacking quote unquote things before, you know, a kid that's searching things and trying to get to certain websites that it's not, it's important. It's not pornographic in any way. It's not self-harm. It's not, it, it's they're going down a, a dark path computer yeah. wise. Um, yeah. Yeah. We've alerted to that before too. We had a funny situation where I was talking with, with uh, somebody in our organization. I can't say the role that they're in, but I was explaining to him a student situation where the student was searching for Tor browsers. Oh yeah. And uh, you and I know what that is, but the average person does not know what a right. Tor browser is or what it does. And, and the, and the person I was talking to was like, yeah, I know what that is. I'm like, Oh, Oh, okay. I don't want to know how you know what that is. <laughs> But I guess we don't have to continue this. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On that note, let's take a break for our final sponsor tonight. Classlink is a sponsor of the show. Visit classlink.com and check out the K 12 section to see how they can help you. My tagline for them is like clever, but better. They do a launch pad of apps and websites, file sharing, rostering, and one sync, multi factor, different login options, and analytics. They can help you and your teachers manage logins and accounts. I'm going to put a link in the podcast description that talks about a school district in Michigan and how ClassLink helped them streamline access and regain instruction time. Check out ClassLink. All right. And on the, we'll finish up with this and then we have our Fortinet question of the week. Um, but on this kind of alarmist type stuff. Have you guys had to talk about TikTok on district devices yet? Has I know Missouri, I don't think has passed anything on state owned devices yet, but Mark, has your state done anything or made any sort of any edict that TikTok can't be on a state owned device yet? No, our our state has not. They're already blocked on our devices. So I don't really, I don't know. I kind of think of when I saw those headlines around blocking TikTok, it was kind of like, well, who's allowing that? Who's who's got that open? So, right. Yeah. We, but we're in we, a school. Right. So, yeah. well, and I even, I made a comment on somebody's LinkedIn post about it. I'm like, maybe I'm, maybe I, again, maybe I'm Pollyannish or naive about this, but what government employee that has a government issued cell phone has personal accounts, let alone a TikTok account on their government cell phone? Um, and then I, someone commented and said, well, you're not thinking about the districts that have gone out of their way to um, have TikTok as a communication method for the district on a on a district-owned phone, which I, I guess that's a legitimate concern. But I mean, I, I understand about reaching people where they are, but good Lord, does the district need a TikTok account? Yes. Well, but, but we, at the school level, we blocked TikTok from a content perspective. And sure. all of this conversation right. is now about it as a security layer, which is a different type of yes. blocking you're taking a different action when you're removing a de- uh, an application for security concerns versus just blocking the content yeah so it is it is a little different but you guys block facebook for, for students and then you block in, i mean, i assume all social media yeah 
for students. And then I find it funny because we have Facebook pages and Instagram pages where we try to reach out to our kids as far as the district and the schools go. That's right. We, we block it for yep. kids, but then we tell kids that we encourage them to go to it to get information. On their personal device. Right. Which isn't as safe, isn't as protected. They can well, use their, like, other... pers- their personal email to get emails from colleges, too. The other, that the isn't other safe, story... that isn't protected, that isn't archived. The other story this week, though, is about Seattle <laughs> Public Schools suing Oh, TikTok. I forgot about that. Yeah. Right? So there's another there's another one about, you know, a school district now is not just blocking these social media, but suing them. But yeah. Yeah. Which, again, that that's just headline that, that whatever. We won't go there. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Uh, so, Chris, what is Fortinet's question of the week? Yeah, we got the Fortinet security question of the week. Uh, Fortinet has the the Ford, Forda token and the Forda authenticator. That's their MFA, 2FA solution. Um, works in conjunction with FortiGate stuff. Uh, so that's how they do multi-factor authentication. Okay. Uh, so then the question is, uh, do you guys currently do that? So beyond Google, do you, got, you guys do it on your Windows computers? How far... Do you go in into that with uh, MFA two FA for our elevated domain account? Okay, Mark's I, not going to answer. He's going to be a chicken again. No, I have to. I have to take the same approach. Like, if I'm not going to give you my EDR solution, I'm also not going to tell you how deep MFA goes. In the <laughs> Mark so. has forgotten he's on a podcast. <laughs> is this public? <laughs> no, it's not public, okay. Mark. No, okay. no, this is just no us. one's listening. No one's listening. <laughs> So no, I will. I, unfortunately, I will not answer questions about the the <laughs> level of MFA in our organization. Like Sorry, he works for the government or something. I I can't. I do. That. I literally do work for the government. <laughs> so um, do you. So it's it, <laughs> what? Uh, so <laughs> it's interesting. You know, we're going through this this Tyler Infinite Campus conversion, and one of the things that Infinite Infinite Campus supports inherently baked in two things actually that surprised me. One thing really surprised me. Um, one, they support MFA inherent with, um, infinite campus. Like it's built in, it's baked in, it's, it works. It's not like other solutions out there, (coughs) Tyler, that rely on Google to do their SS or their, uh, MFA. The other thing that I really, that I found out and was pretty surprised by with infinite campus this week was they monitor, I'm assuming, have I been pwned? Um, but they say they monitor known uh, password breaches and they will block users from set or they will uh, alert a user if their password is set to a password that has been breached or is in a known breach, which I thought that's quite a bit of overhead and uh, scraping. That's I thought that was pretty cool that they did that. I will say personally, any service that I'm on, if it offers MFA, I'm going to subscribe to it. So. Yeah. And uh, it's great to too. see that it's it's built into uh, into your SIS. That's awesome. Chris, any other thoughts? Well, maybe next time um, I bought backdoors and breaches. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Uh, incident response card game uh, from Black Hills Information Security. That's a free plug, I guess. We but maybe get, we can maybe we, we can do it. John Strand on here with it. Since I bought the cards, maybe. He'll... Yeah, you should email him, Chris. Tell him we have the number one K-12 Tech Talk podcast. And I will. He should come on. Um, so that brings us to the close tonight. So, like we said at the beginning, uh, this this podcast grows uh, only in a manner that that you can help us with. 
by sharing this podcast. If, if you find the content valuable, if you find Pate's emails valuable, um, if, if you enjoy Mark's ambiguity with answers and non-answers. If um, you like me reading from a website <laughs> and mispronouncing things. Yes, chat G, G, GTP <laughs> uh, and, and CloudStrike. Um, share us with your friends. We didn't really share. address, Josh really scolded me earlier, and I've been hanging on to this in my heart when he was like, it's terrible <laughs> pod content to read off a website. That hurt me. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. fragile. I, I've been in the business, man. I've been on the radio. <laughs> you don't you don't read a book on the radio. Um, so share us with your friends if you find you just did valuable. it again. What? You're like being mean and nonchalant, and you're hoping it's not registering for me. That, do you guys do you guys want me to step out? It's fine. It's, okay. He, he'll get over it. Okay. Okay. Um, shut up. Shut up, teacher. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Mark's, Mark's a teacher if you haven't figured that out. Um, so yeah, share us with your friends, your, prof- your professional organizations. Shoot us an email so that we don't read another Pate email next week. I, mean, I was quickly trying to figure out how to say that nicely so that Pate doesn't get mad and text me tomorrow and call me all, all sorts of names. Um, but we would love to hear from someone besides Pate. We know there's other, you know, three or four other listeners out there besides Pate. Uh, so shoot us an email, k12techtalk at gmail.com. Uh, we're on Twitter, K12 Tech Talk Pod. We're also on LinkedIn. And if you are going to the or attending the Secure Ed conference next week, uh, you'll come to our session. We hope to have a few people there. I guess that's any any closing thoughts, guys. MFA. <laughs> uh, I I got I I got one. I think you guys will enjoy this. This is good good content. Um, I Josh, I started to chat you Google chat you. Yeah, just now. Uh, no, like yesterday. Oh, okay. Um, and then the person replied back and said, huh? And it was Corey. I accidentally was talking to Corey. Oh, nice. And he was like, no, bro, who were you? Who'd you mean to talk to? And I, <laughs> I was trying to talk to Josh. <laughs> <laughs> Just funny. That's all I got. All right. See ya. See you guys next week. Visit k12techpro.com. That's where we hang out. You can get professional development there. There's guides, there's news, there's articles. It's all about community. Visit k12techpro.com. We got merch there as well, shirts and stuff.